Recorded on December 29th, 2021. Episode 4, Looking Back, Pushing Ahead. Welcome to the Push Ahead Podcast, the podcast that's all about pushing the political conversation ahead, not pushing back. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Shelby. And I am Pamela. And we're here to talk about, well, push ahead. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> talk about us. It's between Christmas and New Year's. It's December 29th. There's nothing going on. Congress isn't in session. Senate's not in session. President's taking, I don't know, some half days. The only notable thing was Harry Reid died, former yeah. majority and he got leader. less attention than John Madden died. I mean, John Madden was a great guy, but really, like, yeah. Harry Reid. Harry Reid was integral. Human. Yeah. yeah. Integral in the Obama years. Yep. And he's the highest elected, I didn't realize this, his highest elected Mormon ever, because mm-hmm. um, Mitt Romney didn't win his presidential election. Mm-hmm. And yeah, most, anyway, very yep. sad. Yeah. Rest your soul, Harry. And Omicron. Yeah. We should like throw that out there. Everybody mask up, vax yep. up. Vax up. Fully vax, fully boosted, and two negative COVID tests in the last 48 hours. There you yeah. go. Here's what I'm hearing about Omicron. So right now, they're saying that if you have your vaccines and boosted, then it's like a cold to flu type symptoms. Right. If you don't have any of that stuff, it's just as fatal as the original. And it's not filling hospital beds because so many of us are vaccinated right, right now. I'm fully vaccinated and mm-hmm. I wear my mask in public. So for the week, we didn't have anything to talk about. We managed to talk a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, the other, last thing about Omicron, I do think from what I'm hearing, really hard and fast, and then it's gone. All right. So we wanted to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about who we are as a podcast and let you, the listener, get to know us as, as your hosts. But we'll also talk a little bit about kind of the year in review and maybe a little bit of what to expect looking forward. So it's not all about us. I mean, we do host a podcast, but we're not complete narcissists <laughs> just partial no. yeah just a little bit a little bit all right so let me kick things off hi i'm jamie hi jamie <laughs> i am a dad air force veteran and i work in it security i've been told that that pretty much sums up the sum total of my personality <laughs> <laughs> not true not true you got a lot of personality in there although the tech part really does define a lot of it yeah Right, right. So, I mean, once when I was in high school, I told my uncle that I pretty much only watched Cartoon Network and Discovery Channel. And he said, yeah, that pretty much sums you up as a person. Well, and listeners, you can't see this because it's a podcast, not a video cast. But Jamie has on the cutest T-shirt right now. It's got a little uh, uh, camper camper on it. I'm trying to think what the name of those campers are. It's a cute little camper. And it says in a a voice bubble, it says, I'm happy, Mm -hmm. which perfectly sums up Jamie. He's a happy camper. (laughs) Yep. My happy camper shirt. Yes, I kicked this podcast thing off because I felt that the whole liberal lefty voice in Brevard was non-existent. There wasn't really anyone talking about what we're talking about, and especially when there's an organized voice from the right brewing in the in the Moms for Liberty. There, there was there was really no one to, to listen to, no one to talk about what we're going through here. So I figured that we could sit around and, and talk the news and get to know people. That'd be a good way to spend Tuesday nights. I like it. Although it's Wednesday night. Oh, it's Wednesday? It's vacation time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's it's Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you haven't noticed, we normally drop episodes every other Friday. 
once every two weeks. You get, I don't know, 45 minutes from us. But we're going to spin that up a little bit. We're going to accelerate the release schedule sometime in the late summer, early fall, when things really start to pick up with the election season. And then we'll go weekly up until the week after the election. We'll talk the results and then that'll be the end of the season. Sounds good. The episode after the election will be hungover, either happiness or sadness. Happy or sad. Yes. Yeah. Although Tuesdays, Wednesdays, are we actually going to record on the Wednesday? Oh, man, that would be rough. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'll have my bottle of wine ready. Mm -hmm. Either way, it's a bottle of wine. Oh, yeah. I am Shelby. I have been a political junkie my basically my entire life. When I was a teenager, I sat in awe watching the 2000 election, pissed off that I couldn't vote because I was only 16 and amazed by what happened. and, And then... You know, we had September 11th. We had the start of Afghanistan, Iraq war, all of this during my time. So I went and got a political science degree at Florida State. Go Knowles. Yes, go Knowles. And then realizing that there's not much to do with said political science degree, I became a teacher. I taught high school history for a few years, married someone who went into the Air Force. So bye-bye teaching. Was he in the Air Force and a tech person, perhaps? Maybe. the desk from you? Yeah, it could be. So now I'm a mom. I tampered down a lot of the political stuff because being a Democrat and being a military wife is kind of lonely. And then 2016. And what would have happened if I had actually been screaming on the side of the road and using my time to help further the cause instead of being in my safe little warm house, thinking that no one in their right mind would let Donald Trump be president? You were wrong. Yes. So we started getting more and more political. And 2018, I got back into the saddle because the person I knew forever, Andrew Gillum, ran for governor. I'd known him since he was 23. I'm like, all right, let's go. And since then, I haven't really stopped. And thankfully, I have a techie husband who owns all this podcasting stuff. (laughs) Well, and I'm Pamela, and I am the chair of the Brevard Democratic Party. And it's been a really interesting road that brought me here. I was raised in a very Republican household. And I was a great armchair political quarterback, like most people. I've seen all of the West Wing probably five times, so I think I could be the president now. Mm-hmm. Just like I've seen all of Grey's Anatomy, so I can perform open-heart surgery. That's how that works. Yeah, exactly. So I I never got involved with anything. I, I, I knocked on a bunch of doors for the Obama campaign because I thought he was just such a, um, a unique voice, and I loved his commitment to public education. That was a big thing for me and the poor. So I was always a very social justice-minded person growing up. I registered as a Democrat at 18, even though my family was all Republicans. And and we all had a great mutual respect for one another and fabulous, loving um, home in spite of our political differences. It wasn't ever a a point of conversation. And um, as you say, in 2016, I mean, I, I have voted for Republicans in the past. It's just never been that big a deal. I... I, I do think there are a lot more people that have our politics than we know. Right. Um, and giving people that comfort in that space. And I've always been a person of of commitment to who I am. I, I can't pretend to be somebody I'm not, even if it's more comfortable. Um, but I didn't necessarily wear my politics on my sleeve. And in 2016, I also got involved with, I, I just wanted to find some place that I could just, what could I do? What could I, what could I do to make the next four years less dangerous in my mind. Mm -hmm. So I found the local Democratic Party and I didn't understand the effectiveness of party politics. I'm still not a huge fan of a lot of the in-party, the in-house politics that we have, but I 
went because I wanted to make our national scene less dangerous and found out how important our local scene really is and that our day-to-day lives are influenced much more by our city council and our county commission and our state representatives and our state senate than we could ever possibly imagine and way more than even Congress or our president. And honestly, I found out how really unqualified most people at those levels of government are, mm-hmm. and which isn't all bad. They're citizens that decided they wanted to serve their community, and so they run for office, and they're learning as they go, sometimes for $1,000 a year, some for nothing. But I just learned some of the interesting things about our county. For example, we're one of two counties in the country that has a weird cap on our property taxes. So the only real revenue our county has is out-of-control growth. Um, I've just learned a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, and I had a tremendous amount of respect for my predecessor as the party chair. Um, she was much further left than I am in her personal politics, but she definitely understood our county. And, and we looked for candidates that would win in our county and would speak to our county's representatives, not just her personal politics. And people don't get that, but that's the truth. So I decided to run for the chair because we had done so much in four years. We doubled our seats in municipal races in the last four years, our, our actual seats being held. We have a majority in the largest city in Brevard County, which is Palm Bay. We have a majority in Cocoa, and uh, we have equal representation in Rockledge. We got the first openly gay elected official in the county elected out of the Brevard Democrats, and he's a fantastic, hardworking guy. We have fielded candidates at every level of government, and we've just and we've raised great funds. We've really raised our awareness of who we are, and I've thought. If I don't run for chair, because my predecessor just was done, it's, it was hard. I said, if I don't, we could just slide back to being a club. And I didn't want to do that. So I ran for chair and I was elected chair for good or for ill. <laughs> um, I'm so grateful because one of my commitments is to prove to people that we're nobody's enemy unless you want me to be. You being my political opponent does not make you my enemy. It just makes you my opponent. And up until 2016, our two parties only differed on how to reach common goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and now people are telling everybody that that we differ in everything and that we have to hate each other. And we just don't. I still have huge numbers of people in my life that are Republicans and we love and respect one another. My father-in-law summarized everything perfectly on 2016 on Christmas that year. My father-in-law has been a Republican his whole life and I was a Democrat my whole life. And we've known those things. And we, I mean... I was his point of contact when he was in the hospital. He's got five kids of his own. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And we are just so close and respect, respectful. And on 2016, he came to my house for Christmas, and he was just, it's hard to explain how animated he was, and he's never been that way. Couldn't stop talking about the election. Trump had just been elected, and I know my father-in-law voted for him. And I said, Dad, we're not going to talk about this today. It's Christmas. And when he left, he was really mad at me. And he said, why did you yell at me? I said, Dad, I didn't yell at you. I just said, it's Christmas. We're not going to talk about this today. And you can go back to talk about it tomorrow. And at 6.30 in the morning on the next day, he called and left me a voicemail message. And he said, I woke up in my recliner and I didn't recognize myself. I'm so sorry. And the fact that he made that call gave me hope mm-hmm. that we can find common ground. It's a new era for Brevard Democrats. And this era, I will listen to anybody. That was a long story to say who I am. And we were involved with the group in, in opposition to Moms for Liberty because uh, I, I don't think that they're anything but a political machine. Mm-hmm. And having a meeting and Shelby walked up and said, my husband wants to do a podcast. 
I'm like, if I had a dime for every time somebody said, I want to do something and they don't follow through. Right. I said, sure, Shelby, reach out. Well, then she did. And here we are. And I couldn't be more proud of the work that, that you've that you've given birth to and allowed me to be part of creating. So thank you. <laughs> um, but yes, as being a lifelong resident of Brevard County, reaching out to the Democratic Party in 2002, you guys have grown leaps and bounds. You're making an impact. Everything. So slowly but surely, we're making our voice heard in this county. Thanks, yeah. Shelby. It's my goal to make sure every Democrat has a place for their voice to be heard. Moderate Democrats, progressive Democrats, conservative Democrats, they all deserve, it's their party. It's my goal to just make sure they're all heard. Although at the end of the day, the buck stops here. Yeah. Something else that talked about the levels of party. There's there's the Democrats, the DNC at the top. And here we are at the grassroots where you're the lead of the Brevard County Dems. And in between, there's all these different levels. So that way, when people talk about, oh, the Democrats, the Democrats, the Democrats, it's not. Which Democrats? Yeah. Yes. It's like saying the government, the government, the government. Yeah. You know, we have we have city government. We have county government. I mean, we have an HOA here. So super local. Yeah. We got states. And right now, it feels like that the DNC at the national level, Democratic Governors Association or whatever, yes. that's in charge of shuffling those races. Uh, they're all pulling out of Florida. They, they seem like they are. I've been pro- promised by our state party chair that they're really not. And he's just got, he inherited, I, I don't know if I can say this on our podcast, you can bleep it out. He's in, he inherited a show. Uh-huh. Um, no money, total disarray. And he's really working hard to pull it together. When I asked, when I met with him, I asked him, I said, Manny, what keeps you up at night? And he said it was January 6th. He didn't say it was the fundraising. He didn't, he's not even worried about the, the country pulling out of Florida. He's not worried about Florida being the biggest voice in the country. He's worried about January 6th and therefore Florida does matter. Yeah. Everything we do matters because we, you know, every successful coup has followed an unsuccessful attempt. January 6th wasn't an insurrection attempt. It was a practice run. Yeah. 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 So we have to make sure that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we were talking about tonight, the last three weeks, three sets, not three weeks, six weeks, the last three sessions we've done, we've just kind of feeling our way. What are we doing? And there's always fun things to talk about, which is really, it's really kind of funny that we just, we get paid our non-salary of zero <laughs> to, uh, to hang out and talk about things we like talking about anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think we've really figured out who we are and what we're going to be doing. So when the legis- the state legislative session starts, because we really are focused more on local politics, we have our gossip session at the beginning where we talk about national stuff. But we're going to be talking about our state legislative session. I think we're going to have a special guest who is so great with legislative issues. And then we're going to carry that, our season through that, through we have a special election in March that we'll be talking about. And then we have our summer, we'll be starting off on the 22 general election. Um, and then we'll carry it through that, like you said. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I might be in here stinky and sweaty because I might have been out canvassing for a candidate until I get here. <laughs> right. But. Well, because in the summer it stays late till it stays light till eight, and I'm out till eight. She looked at me when she said stinky and sweaty because <laughs> you on don't look vacation. stinky or sweaty. I, I, <sighs> no, you look great. <laughs> it's your house. Yes. <laughs> so yes, just as a disclaimer, um, despite how amazing we sound, this is actually recorded in what would you call this? A den, a living room, family room. It's a lot of things. It is. It's a library. It's yeah. a video library. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of things. It's our it's guest, guest room. Yeah. <laughs> but it works because you've got this really uh, professionally prepared. So, right. so yeah. So, so it's like the money is, is coming from my pocket. It's, it's, we don't have any shadow money. We don't have any donors. We're not going to run ads. 
Hey, just, we'll figure out how to collect donors. Yeah. If you guys want to support us, just reach out and let us know. Yeah, yeah we'll have we'll have different uh, causes and uh, yes, election and uh, candidates too. Yeah. So when if you're looking for an agenda from us, we are concerned citizens who are just kind of unhappy with the direction that politics is taking, and we want to be a voice that doesn't push back, but push is ahead. that is there and and helps make sense of these crazy politics because there are way too many people with way too much money being told, oh, this is how you need to shape this issue. This is how you need to shape that issue. They're uh, not listening to average people, which no. is really yeah. what the three of us are, just average people. Right, right. Let's talk about the name. So when I was talking to our state messaging team and our um, in-house attorney on the state party level, and I was really angry and frustrated because I felt like the party was missing the, the conversation they could be having in defense of our schools. And I, I've said this before. I think our defending our public schools is vital for this, the health of our democracy. And I was very frustrated. And I was telling him, you know, this is what they, the Republicans know their messaging. They know their points. They fall in line. And he said, yeah, we know they're doing it. We just don't know how to push back. And I said, well, let's stop pushing back. Yep. Let's push ahead. Yes. We're, I'm tired of the de Democrats being on the defense. I'm tired of Democrats always pushing back. It's because we're just the go-along, get-along people. I'm tired of that. We are no longer doing that. We are pushing ahead. I'm tired of people saying that we shouldn't politicize every time there's a school shooting. And we say, let's talk about gun control. Mm -hmm. Oh, there you are politicizing. Yeah, we know. You know what I want to say to that? Yes. We are politicizing it. Let's stop killing our kids. Yes. People say we're politicizing masks. Yes, we're politicizing it. Let's stop killing our kids. Yeah. The, to go back and say we don't have agenda, we, we do have an agenda. I believe very firmly that the government should serve its people. It should not be in charge of killing its people. Right. And so by allowing children to die for our gun rights and for people to end up hospitalized for our free breathing and rights. hospitals to be overrun. Overrun. And to bankrupt people for our, I guess, insurance profit rights. Right, right. <laughs> that we are being taken advantage left and right because they are so much better at saying, you need to hate this thing that should be good for you. Right, exactly. Yes. So we're not pushing back. We are pushing ahead, mm -hmm. laying groundwork for people to follow if they choose. Right. Right. It's just how you have to think outside of the box because there was a lot of issues prior to 2016. I had the same voices. Black Lives Matter made no sense to me <laughs> until I looked at it mm -hmm. and saw, okay, this makes sense now. Yes, because until we had an understanding of the war on drugs being fueled by racism, and, and we weren't aware of the pr police brutality. I didn't even know what the word institutionalized racism meant. Right. But I do now. I'm glad that we all do, but man, what a horrible way to learn these yes. things. Yes. Yes. And the thing is, U.S. citizens, a large population, some of them in our own county right here, they've had to live with that their entire lives. Yes. And, you know, this season has really brought me to this, this new irony because I kept seeing on social media, stop saying happy holidays. It's Merry Christmas or nothing. And my, my comment was always, you know, what? I don't care what you say. As long as you're being nice to me, I'm just happy you're being nice. Yeah, yeah exactly. And by the way, we have a whole lot of holidays to celebrate. We have Hanukkah. We have Kwanzaa. We have Christmas. We have the New Year. So why the same people that say all lives matter mm -hmm. instead of black lives matter, all lives matter, but only one holiday, by golly. Yeah. Only oh, yes. one holiday. Only all one. holidays matter. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. I mean, and the thing is, these people who are saying it's Christmas, it's not holidays, it's Christmas, then you don't get to celebrate New Year's. Right. Nope, I'm not wishing you a happy New Year's. But it's also working on people. 
I have worked on my mother mm-hmm. for years and years and finally an issue she's coming around and seeing the viewpoint that I've tried to shift for her. I think these conversations are so important because I, I have a, a people that I built a trusting relationship with through my business for the last 15 years um, who know me as a good person and a good human and a person they can have logical conversations with. And now they're in the political and they're, they're my political opponents. And uh, there's a voice in the local community who is usually very drunk and ranting on social media and calls me a terrorist <laughs> and all sorts of fun things. And this one customer is a, is a part of the, that Republican community. And she was appalled. And she just flat out said in social media, hey, I know Pam. Um, and as I told her, I said, none of these people have ever met me. I've offered to meet two of them. They both backed out at the last minute. And she was able to, because she knew me. So again, these conversations, it takes patience. And it takes giving people the grace to find a place of agreement mm-hmm. while their their allies are telling them that we're their enemy. We just have to continue to not be an enemy, to mm-hmm. not act like enemies, to be good humans and give them a space that they can find us. Well, right. when we were at the school board outside waiting for a meeting to start, the Moms for Liberty were yelling at anybody and everyone going through. And this woman looked at him and she's like, I voted for your guy, but I like them because they're nice. Because <laughs> yeah. we didn't say anything. We didn't engage, which is what they want. They want to, us to be combative. Right. Yeah. I think that they're caught up in the frenzy. Hate creates a frenzy and creates a pull like a, a irreversible tide. Um, and I think we have to be very careful to make sure that we let people know. You know, we know that the average voter is your neighbor, the same neighbor that I saw feeding people out of their excess, the same neighbor that reached out during the hurricanes and helped us chop down trees, the same neighbors that, you know, all of these things that I've seen come from loving human beings who are just like you or me. They just happen to be Republican. And we need to remember that that existed before and that it can exist again. Right. I think one of the main viewpoints that that we as Democrats kind of take for granted is that it's very rare to find a Republican who is like pro-hate. Yeah. They don't, or anybody that's pro hate. Yeah, like they don't want to hate people, but they have the privilege of not having seen things from someone else's viewpoint. To use a little bit of a metaphor, they believe that because their roof isn't leaking, nobody's getting wet. And that when people show them pictures of people getting wet, they think, oh no, why are you getting wet? Why are you standing out in the rain? Just go inside a house, get a job, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, be a strong moral person, and it will stop raining on you. Again, you know, they're people. They're not uh, cruel human beings. They mm-hmm. just don't get it. Right. They don't understand that after four generations of an education that doesn't go beyond the 10th grade, you just don't know that you can do anything different. Right. Your reality is based on what you've experienced and what you see in front of you. The teachers, I think there's 7% of Brevard County teachers are uh, people of color, hmm. which is, you know, there's no role models for students there. Right. Um, so we just need, we're, and we will do better. We are doing better right. every day. Well, we just we have we have the perfect example of my stepfather. Fox News radicalized him in a very short amount of time right after President Obama was elected. But he's the nicest guy you'll ever mm-hmm. meet. But there is this rage that is behind them. And Fox News gave them a, a place to yeah. manifest it. A common. Angle. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's become a cliche. It's it's an Internet meme. If you're on Twitter. I'm sure you've seen those memes. Inside of you, there are two wolves. 
But the story, the reason it was so trivialized is because it is so apt. The story, for those of you who aren't on the internet, an old generic mythical man once said to a, to a young man, inside of you, there are two wolves. There's hate and anger, and the other is kindness and joy. And they are constantly in battle with each other. And so the young man said, okay, well, which one wins? And the old man replied, whichever one you feed more. The issue is that Fox News feeds one of those wolves. Clichés exist for a reason, mm -hmm. right? So looking at 2021, I, how did that, let me think, did anything happen in January of last year? Uh, Any news happen in January I, of last year? I remember it started off with a bang, um, a bang. on Twitter. Does anyone remember Bean Dad? Being dad? Being dad <laughs> on Twitter. There was a dude who <laughs> who January 2nd or January 3rd, he posted this really long Twitter story about his daughter was hungry. So he was like, eat something. And she's like, what can I eat? And he's like, there's beans in the cupboard. And she's like, how do I open up a can? And no one taught this nine-year-old how to use a can opener. So he had this whole long, really smug sounding story about how eventually she learned without his help to open up a can. I'm going to look this up. Go on. And, and. The internet was really angry at him. And then something else came along that overshadowed it. And now every soft angel just kind of whisper someone go, I miss Bean Dad. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's like when I go to school board meetings, I'm like, you remember when it, we argued about air conditioning? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so I have never, ever watched the certification of election results. I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, who did? Did anybody out there know that you could certify election results? Okay, Shelby. That I was watching it because I had started to hear rumblings. Well, I, I, this year I was watching it because we knew that that was a thing. But yeah. I mean, I never watched. I, I turned on the TV, which I never turn on during the day. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, this is so fascinating. And I, and I, was... and I watched my congressman. Mm-hmm. Deny the certification of the results from mm -hmm. Arizona. And and I was the, the one of the friends that had been through election cycles before. I'm like, don't worry. Yeah. There's no way they can overturn it. It is set in stone. It is done. Well, well. Mm -hmm. And it, that's true. And that's still true. It is true. However, half the country doesn't believe that that's true still right. to this day. So, yeah, we all watched January 6th happen. And we in Brevard County can be, perhaps not quite the word, mortified that our congressman played a role in that day. Oh, yeah. Came Plus, back after the insurrection attempt where his life was in danger yeah. and doubled down on it. Plus both of our senators. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a surprise. Well, anyway, so that was how our year started with January yes. 6th and the big lie. And yep. everybody knows, everybody with any common sense knows that the election was free and fair and that Joe Biden is our elected. In fact, yes. I have a letter from Bill Posey saying that he knows that's the truth as well. Mm -hmm. And that there we have go. to work together as respect for our president and vice president. Otherwise, if we need to put the winner of the presidential election under scrutiny, let's let's look down ballot. Yeah, I'm totally I think that that's exactly fair. Yeah. So that was my question to Bill Posey, which got the letter in response. I said, are you willing to put your election on mm -hmm. the line? Because obviously, yeah. if Joe, it, you know, right. all the down ballot races, and I noticed you're not thinking yours. So how is it? That only the presidential races were stolen. Trust me, guys. If we were going to steal an election, yeah. then Mitch McConnell would no longer be in government. Oh, yes. Mitch, we would definitely yeah. have stolen Kentucky. Yeah. 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 Do you really think we would have kept McConnell? Lindsey Graham? Lindsey Graham. No. no. Do you really think we would have given so much power to Mansion and Cinema? Right? Yeah. No, exactly. we're going to Trust me. Y'all listening? If we're going to steal an election, we're, we're going to do, do a better right. job of that than that. Yes. Yes. But also, in January, we had an amazing historical moment. I cried watching the first female VP being sworn in. 
Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I did not think I'd get that emotional because I've watched inaugurations. I mean, I cried when Hillary Clinton accepted the nomination. I thought that was more because I've been a Hillary Clinton fangirl forever. But no, it really did mean something that we finally achieved as women, the second highest office in the land. Watching the inauguration, I cried when I saw the flags memorializing Americans that had so far died of COVID. And of course, now we've doubled that number. Mm -hmm. It was such a beautiful, poignant, sad, heartbreaking but such a perfect tribute as well. I've been to the Pentagon Memorial at night and it felt very similar to that. That was a, that was a beautiful moment. It was really so well done. I didn't mm-hmm. mind at all not standing in the cold. And uh, props to Amanda Gorman. She was amazing. Yeah. I have a friend who was part of the administration and I sent him a text and I said, did I just see you high five Bill Clinton? And he replied, Bill Clinton just high fived me because I was watching it on television. <laughs> and then we also have our first working First Lady. Yes. Outside of the White House. She's a teacher. We have our uh, Secretary of Education that actually was a teacher. That actually likes education. Yes. Public education. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot to celebrate on January 20th. Yeah. yeah. I like January 20th much better than January 6th. Yes. Two weeks between those two events. Yes. And it went off with joy and celebration um, the the incoming administration didn't belabor that two weeks before their lives were basically in, in threat. They just went forward with the inauguration as if nothing had happened. I always feel like when I see a democracy working well, I feel like I'm watching The Grinch Who Stole Christmas and we're all standing around going, Yahoo, Dora, <laughs> Yahoo, Dora. Yeah. yeah. So that was good. And then vaccines, of course. Yes. yes. Moving past January, got a little sign of hope. We were all excited in March. Oh, yeah. That I, I remember getting the second dose and it just felt like uh, I don't know it, it, it I cried on my first he, yeah well I was so thrilled I cried I literally first. cried like the girls looking at me like I'm crazy I'm like yeah like it was after getting the first or the second shot that I think it was like the first time in a year and a half that we started actually making plans for the future yeah until then it felt like we were just treading water yeah so that was great and so then when Delta started wearing its head right, as school was starting, we're progressing in our year. <gasps> we had a good summer. We did. And then school started as Delta. What is this? Like, is COVID just staring at us, looking at our school calendar? Because now Omicron's here as school starting next well, week. Well, basically, they they said if we couldn't get the vaccines quickly enough, and we really did have a great rollout, mm-hmm. it would just keep mutating. And now it's going to be where it's going to be here. And we're just going to have to get a vaccine every year, just like, just like the flu. To protect us. That's what's going to happen. But now school boards started being attacked, in, at least locally, in April. After the vaccines. Well, a school board member was attacked mm-hmm. for the LGBTQ guidelines that were oh, put in yes. place under her predecessor. Mm-hmm. Jennifer wasn't even on the school board when those guidelines were put in place. But the first protest outside of her house was about that. Oh. And when they were calling all the rest of us pedophiles if we actually supported LGBTQ rights. And that was the first protest outside of her house. That was the, that was the beginning of... Huge anger. It was when I realized what Moms for Liberty was. They were becoming this, as I describe it, they lit a fire. Um, but they invited people to pour gas and they had to really find the match. So that started with that. And then, of course, when school started again in August and it was the masks guidelines that were implemented again under Jennifer's predecessor that she asked to have them put back in place. And that was that. I thank her every day for asking. Yeah, it was so. It was hard. Yeah, you know, it took six requests. We had 10 teachers 
in ICU. Yeah. At one time. Yep. And two students. It took that before they would finally put that in place. Yeah. So what was next on the calendar, Jamie? So recently, past couple months, uh, we had off-year elections, which I guess provided some cryptic insights into what's going to happen next year. Virginia going Republican. It's nothing new. Was worrisome, but not unexpected. Other political strategies that we've seen that that have worked and haven't. In some places, going down, you know, uh, doubling down on, I I was going to say going down on Trump, but no. (laughs) Same thing. Doubling down on Trumpism was was a winning strategy. In other places, it was a losing strategy. So that's unclear. It's unclear about progressives versus centrists. A couple of progressive defeats in the Midwest, but it's the Midwest. Are progressives ever going to win there, especially in a race that no one's paying attention to? So we had another election year, but it was kind of hard to read. Yeah. I agree. And you know, so many people are waiting for the midterms and they're saying we're going to lose seats in the midterms because that's what happens. Well, you know what else happens? Sitting senators never get elected to the presidency until they did. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, somebody with no political experience whatsoever would never win the presidency until he did. So I don't know. I think we can still keep the midterms. Yeah. We just- well, there, I mean, that's the hope. There is hope that we can, with the right messaging, say, hey, look, Republicans were going to give you jack. Democrats, at least, supplied you with some Mm -hmm. democrats if we had the house and senate you would have student loan forgiveness guaranteed you would have a pathway to medicare for all guaranteed but because we cannot get a majority a voting majority we cannot get this damn filibuster taken care of you know we have to fight i'm again gonna remind everybody because i have to be the party for all people that medicare for all may not be the only solution but right. we certainly be on the pathway to health care for just all. make my health care cheaper uh, you know That's what I, I, I would be happy to get rid of the guy who earns way too much money to say no you don't need that yeah <laughs> yes yeah that and is i just when I, I think all we we all get spun up on what it's called i yes. just think all americans if we are the most creative, most successful country in the world, we can make sure that all Americans yes, get healthy. No. And, but we did get some good news at the end of the year. The year ended with the infrastructure bill passed. Mm-hmm. Yay for roads. Didn't. <laughs> other thing, but they didn't get shut down either. They're just tabled. So yes. Right. Voting rights and build back better. So yes. this is something that we're going to get cut. But it's like, if you've been paying attention to Manchin and his ilk over the past decade and a half, this is something that I personally call the Manchin waltz. He negotiates in good faith. That's the first step. And then he balks. He says, no, that isn't what I wanted, even though he was negotiating in, you can't see the air quotes, in good faith. So he was negotiating in bad faith. He says no. And then he gets a gentle rebuke from senior Democrats saying, no, Joe, you're throwing a tantrum because someone's threatening your wallet. But they don't actually say that because if he left the party and went to the GOP or went independent and caucused with the GOP, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell would be a valid title tomorrow. Yes. So they have to keep him. Otherwise, they lose the Senate majority. So they have to make him happy by paying him lip service. I think you should leave that in. And then, and this is also why uh, everyone was like, oh, Manchin, Manchin said no. Who could have seen this coming? How about Schumer when he pulled Build Back Better to table it? So that way, when Manchin said, I'm going to vote no on this thing, it wasn't under active well, deliberation. I don't know why people believe him now. You know, he never tells the truth about anything yeah. else. So why do we believe his no? Yeah. And this is the waltz, because what happens three days ago is that various Democratic groups have spent a quarter of a million dollars advertising to uh, West Virginia voters 
running an ad campaign. These ad campaigns have come up so many times in the past. So it's going to work. His constituents are going to reach out to him and be like, hey, Joe, Joe, just what are you doing, buddy? <laughs> and so he's going to get enough calls. He's going to get public pressure. And then he's going to come back to the negotiating table with a single amendment or a couple of amendments for what he really wanted. And it's probably going to be something coal or it's probably going to be something medicine because that's where his profits are. So he's going to look out for his pocketbook and then he's going to vote yes on it. And, and this has happened many times in the past. I believe that this was a dance that they had to do for ACA. Yes. And then at the very end of it, he's going to he's going to blame the Democrats for their overreach by advertising to his constituents. What's that? And then vote with him. Yes, yes, and and so this is the mansion waltz. It's a it's a seven step waltz. I think it's conversation. They're all in like complicit agreement. Okay, you have to make my voters get mad at me, and then I'll agree with you. Yes, the, I have yes. to be able to blame you. Yes. yes. Hey, cool. Whatever. This, yeah, yeah. Let's get it done. This is what they had to do back when Lieberman was a Democrat. This yep. is I mean, this is this is a song as old as advertising. Pro tip: If you um, want to call Mansion's office, find a West Virginia zip code. Mm. makes more difference. They're not going to even mark you down as a concerned constituent of the United States. Actually, Find a zip code. Not as true as it used to be because of cell phone service. Yeah. Because now you can be calling from anywhere. Right. And a smart Well, that's why you that's code. why you have the zip code. The zip code, not area code. Right. Not oh, area code, code. Yeah, zip yeah. code. Yeah. Oh, so when you say where you live, got it. Yes. Good one. Do we have those? I'll pull it up. Uh, oh, there's there's a list everywhere, but yeah. yeah. Google knows. Everyone knew that this was what was going to happen. So that's why Schumer pulled the Build Back Better bill. It took me a little bit to see it. And then as soon as Manchin came back and said, I'm going to vote no, it's like the, the light went on. It, it had been years since we'd seen this play because he only does it when the Democrats are in power. Right. And so it's been so long that, since the Democrats are in power. Maybe he forgot how. <laughs> no, he didn't. He just, I, I forgot about it. And then as soon as he said no, I was like, oh, all this so makes so much sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not worried. Yeah. They'll get something. And then that's what we use as our messaging for the next year. And actually them getting it after Christmas will be closer to the election. Let's look ahead. Let, let's well, let's we're talking about ahead. Yes. So ne what about well, next year? So uh, to continue my thought, um, I think that Joe Biden extending the COVID, the student loan payment moratorium until May was interesting because optimistically, if we look at South Africa, Omicron might blow over sooner than May. So he's looking at this as a political tool. Yeah. So he's pushing it to the point that this may be ammunition for the primaries. By shifting negotiations to May, it also gives them time to debate it before Congress closes in June. Politics has an ebb and flow. It pretty much models our school year. If your kids aren't in school, there isn't really meaningful political news coming out. There's people who are reacting to stuff that's said. There are executive orders. There's foreign policy matters. They're fundraising. Fundraising. But most of our Congress critters are back in their home states fundraising and not passing legislation. When you think about the year, May is important because it could be the final congressional win before everyone goes home to fundraise for, for the primaries. Joe Biden came out and said, we're going to take back the midterms and doing something about the student loan system. But it needs to be done because it's right. Yes. Well, it is not right. Not just because Gen Z has historically not voted right. in, in great droves. So doing this because it's right mm -hmm. will also perhaps get Gen Z to participate in their government process, which would be phenomenal. But, um, but it's also just because it's the right thing to do. 
Oh, yeah. It's mm -hmm. everything that we want is the right thing to do. Yes. You just have to convince a politician that it's the right thing to do. Or that their job will still be in place. If yeah. Exactly. So next year, we'll be talking about that mm -hmm. as it plays out. We will be talking about voting rights. Um, Voting rights, we'll be talking about our state legislative session, though. That's really going to be right. very important. Randy Fine has just voted a funding bill, appropriations bill that is like hair curling. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about what they're trying to do in our state session. Because, again, remembering those things that aren't making the news everywhere else because they really only affect Floridians, I think, are important. And, of course, we'll be talking about COVID as it changes and evolves and ebbs and flows. Um, then we'll have our special election, as we talked about, in Palm Bay. And then our general election next right. fall, where we will elect a new governor. Hmm. Dear Lord. Yes. Please. 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 Yeah. Please. Uh, we'll elect a new governor. And we've got people running. So far, we have candidates for Congress for at least one state house seat, State House 53, fire fine. And <laughs> we're working on our school board seats and then our other municipalities as well. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So if you live in Brevard County, I have an office you can run for. Yes. And if you don't want to run, I have a, a race you can support. And if you don't want to knock doors, I have a call you can make. And if you don't want to make calls, I have postcards you can sign. I got something you can do. To, to, just knowing that the difference we make locally does make the difference nationally. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so one of the reasons that we have the local leader of the Brevard Dems is because I also want to show what goes into a local race just because, you know, there's this yeah. mystery around politics and we can take the mystery right on out. Of right. It. And so there's the stuff that people see, the ads, the door knocking, the phone calls, and then there's the stuff that shows up on TV. But there's really a whole lot of, I don't know, sausage making in the middle. Well, that's the euphemism is that there's two things you don't want to know how to do. Make laws and sausage. Yes. <laughs> but. Learning how to get elected, you're right. And it doesn't need to be this big, mysterious thing. I think there are people out there that want it to be because they don't want you to think you can run. But one of my favorite things is that majority of our candidates in the last four years were the day before just average people that thought, maybe I can make a difference and mm -hmm. ran for office. They don't have any huge... Jennifer Jenkins, who is like this big bugaboo to the Republican... Lightning rod. ...did not want to do anything other than school board when she came to me. She just really wanted to work with her on the school board. She got tired of teachers being unappreciated and underpaid and undervalued and us being 100 teachers down, um, which we're now even more. Mm -hmm. And that was it for her. And I, I love when we have average citizens running for office locally. So that'll be fun to unroll and maybe have some guests on the show that are our candidates. And I know we're going to work on an email address so that people can email us to give what you want to hear because maybe you want to hear something else. Maybe we're just totally off topic here. Yeah, sure. And so when we figure that email address, it'll be in our liner notes. Oh, what important issue? Keep in mind. Yeah. It's in your notes. The legislative session is started. Legislative session starts January 11th. Mm -hmm. And we'll be recording that week. I probably won't be going to session that week, but I will I will be going to session at some point in time just to experience that myself and lobby uselessly at Rivard County State Rep. So that starts in beginning of January. We're also going to be supporting... You'll, you'll see the first race, which will be really kind of fun to watch this race because there's nothing to do but this one candidate in yeah. this one race. And all the rise and wherefore is about, as a party, what we can or can't do with regards to the local races. And we've got that in March. Yes. And I really want to bring something besides like horse race political coverage to the table to kind of dive deeply in a way that it's not talking about who's neck and neck and who's ahead and who's behind, talking more about the logistics and the mechanics of it. 
Yeah, good. It'll be fun. The whole time, I'll teach you all the weird things that I don't know how to do that I didn't know how to do four years ago. It's a lot simpler than you think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like things like, as a party, I cannot spend more than five thousand dollars on all federal races in a session in a cycle. Hmm. So if we have somebody running for Congress and we have a presidential race, we can only, as a party, spend five thousand dollars on all of them on our door hangers, anything else we do. Total, if it has a federal candidate on it, it goes into that $5,000 pool. Now, if I were a PAC or dark money, I could spend limitless amounts of money. Yes. It's insane what they do to us. Yes. Locally, I can support municipal races limitless financially, but we can't endorse a Democrat if they're in a primary situation. Right. So we have to be Switzerland until after our primaries. Sure. So cool. I'm excited. Uh-huh. And yep. uh, so this will be dropping on Friday, which is New Year's Eve. Woohoo. Anyway, uh, happy New Year's. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And we'll see you next year. Yeah, we'll see you next year. If you got something out of this and know of anybody who cares about what we're saying here, please share. Word of mouth is everything in the grassroots game. If we're awesome, tell a friend. If we're not, tell us how to get better. This has been another episode of the Push Ahead podcast. Please reach out to us via Twitter at push underscore ahead or subscribe to our podcast in your podcatcher of choice. You can find relevant links to the stories that we're talking about in our liner notes on our website at pushaheadpod.com. The music is Super String Theory by Lobo Loco. 